Well, good morning to all of you here at Gateway, and welcome. Uh, it's good to be here uh, and to have you here worshiping with us this morning. Uh, as some of you may know and may recognize, I am not Brian Dillon. Uh, I'm Luke Martin. I'm the student minister here at Artez Valley Campus. Brian, uh, he called in sick uh, last minute last night, uh, so uh, batter's up uh, for me, and hopefully I, I don't strike out. But no, uh, Brian, he's, he wasn't feeling too well, so I'll definitely be praying for him to, to feel better soon. Uh, I will say it also feels strange uh, to, to have all the students leave and not be following, with, you know, following them back there and, and be talking to their parents and grandparents. So uh, this, is, this is different, but this is good. So, uh, but like I said, good morning and welcome. Uh, we, uh, last week, we started a new series uh, called The Road to redemption. Uh, and this series is on, uh, we're taking a look at the Apostle Peter. And Peter, he is a man that many of us can relate with uh, and identify with in many ways. Uh, because despite his great faith, he made his fair share of mistakes. Yeah, he had his mountaintops moments where he looked like the hero, right? But he also had those, uh, those several blunders where he, well, kind of looked like the zero. But uh, if you're anything like me, which you, you most likely are in this sense at least, uh, that means we can relate to Peter in those ways. Fortunately for us, though, that when God looks at us, he sees the big picture, right? He doesn't just see those, um, those instances. Uh, when he sees us, he sees uh, past our mistakes like he did with Peter. And thank God that he sees uh, what we can be and not just what we are in this moment. And if you're a sports fan, no matter what sport it is, uh, you know, what, 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 what sport it is or what channel you watch, uh, you've probably heard uh, a sports channel or, or, you know, sports commentator say um, this, this line right here, if the season ended today, you know, they, it, they'll, they'll oftentimes say that when they're evaluating and analyzing teams halfway through the season, you know, if the season ended today, they might be looking at the injuries that that team has sustained or the new guys that they just signed on and maybe they're just not gelling too well yet, right? Things just haven't clicked. Um, and, and they often say, well, if the season ended today, Maybe, you know, they, their chance of the playoffs aren't looking too good. Thank God that he doesn't play this game. Well, if the world ended today, right? Thank God he doesn't play that with us because uh, you, might, uh, you might be caught in, in a rut or you might be struggling with something uh, with your faith. But God still sees what you can be. On your worst day, God still sees the tremendous potential you have, and he knows that even if you feel like you're 30 games back with 31 to go, you can still do it. Even if you've uh, felt like you've been left behind and, and counted out, God is still there, and he knows that you can make the comeback. Even if everybody else has given up on you, God will still be there because he will never leave nor forsake you. Jesus saw the potential in Peter despite his mistakes, even when Peter was making the biggest blunder of his life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, we're going to be looking at Peter's greatest blunder. 
and which was his, his denial of Jesus. So go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 26 in your Bibles, uh, and we're going to look at just how badly Peter messed up. I mean, he messed up big time, right? He, he, he blew it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's funny sometimes, too, as I'm reading through Scripture, uh, and, and maybe some of you guys can relate to this as well, but you think to yourself, man, what, what it would be like to have my name in this book, in, in God's Word, right? But then we realize there's people in there like Peter. And it's like, well, maybe, uh, maybe, I, don't, maybe I don't want that for myself, right? Uh, but Peter's blunder, it is recorded in, uh, in all four Gospels. But like I said, today we're going to be looking at Matthew's account, uh, and starting in Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. And it says this, Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, you might be wondering how Peter got here. I mean, how did walk on water, you are the rock, the first to confess Jesus as Messiah, Peter, how did he get to this moment? Last week, we talked a a bit about how to avoid our temptation to flash forward. And, And when we read the accounts of Peter's denial of Jesus, we can definitely try to do that with his life. It's, it's easy to do. But in doing that, we risk overlooking uh, some things that he did earlier in chapter 6. So there's three things that I want to look at this morning um, that we might uh, oftentimes overlook uh, when we just take a look at Peter's denial. And the first thing uh, is we're going to look at Peter's positive attitude. So the drama, it all begins when Jesus and his disciples, they leave the upper room in Jerusalem where they had just shared the Passover meal. And Matthew tells us about this uh, situation, starting in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will, uh, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be, will be scattered. Um, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. There are some who give a hard time over this uh, foolhardy response here, uh, given what we know is about to happen, right? Uh, Have you guys ever heard someone say, like, I will never be late again, or I will never do that again, right? And then you just kind of sit back and you maybe chuckle to yourself, or maybe you cringe, right? And because you're like, well, I know you, and I know what's about to happen, and you're going to be late again. In fact, you were late just now, right? Okay. Uh, So in those uh, situations, it's not really a matter of if, but a matter of when. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So perhaps maybe the worst um, instances uh, of these is maybe one of a hopeless romantic tells the love of their life, I will never let you down. And 
like, well, that's impossible first off because we're all human and we're all imperfect. We all make mistakes, right? We are, we are going to let each other down. And, and so you know that kind of statement is just headed for disappointment. But Peter, I mean, as, as the phrase goes, love is heart, right? When the Son of God tells you that you're going to do something and you come back real strong with, mm, nah, I'll, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. I will die before I do that. Well, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure, right? But when we think about this, when we think about Peter's response, how else was he supposed to respond here? How else was he supposed to respond uh, in this situation? I mean, had Peter said, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm going to cave to my fear. I'm going to cave to, to the situations. I'm going to fall away, and I'm, I'm going to deny you. I'm going to forsake you, right? Well, if Peter would have done that, we would have called him. Uh, we would have called him out on it. And, you know, he would have, we would have deemed him with this defeatist attitude. But instead, Peter answered the way that you and I, uh, that we, we would hoped that he would answer, right? In, in a way that we hoped that we would answer too, right? So I think we could use a bit of Peter's positivity here. We're all pretty cynical, uh, myself included. Um, And we don't want to get too excited about something because, you know, if if we get our hopes up, then, you know, that just leaves room for for disappointment. But instead, Peter, he he wanted to stand up and, and fight for Jesus. He wanted to stand up and fight for him just because he believed in him that much. He was, uh, he was willing to defend Jesus at all costs, even to death, so much so that he was blind to the logic that you and I are willing and able to see in hindsight. And I think we could all use a dose of Peter's positivity. Or maybe take, for instance, a parent of a high school graduate, right? Maybe they, they, they tell their, their son or their daughter, Listen, if you're not careful, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to go away to college and you're, uh, you're going to fall away. You're going to lose your faith. You're going to fall into some scenes you don't want to be in. Uh, so, so just be careful, you know. I mean, what if, the, what if the, the son looked at his dad and said, yeah, you're right, dad. I'm going off to college. I'm, I'm going to lose my faith. I'm going to step away from it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dive right into the party scene, you know. That's, that's where I'm going to find myself. I mean, we, the, the, we wouldn't want a young college or a young student to say that, right? I mean, what we would expect them to say is, I can do all things through Christ. Pray for me to stay strong and confident and hold steadfast in that, right? In the same way, we must be careful of being too critical of Peter's response here in Matthew 26. Peter had a positive attitude, and he truly believed there was no way what Jesus said was actually going to happen. Peter loved his friend too much to do that. Aristotle, the, uh, the Greek philosopher, he once wrote about this, uh, this golden mean. And this golden mean is the idea that the best approach in life is usually in the middle ground between two extremes. One extreme is the, the vice of deficiency or having too little of a desired trait. And on the other extreme is the vice of excess, having too much of a desired trait. For example, take the, the trait of ambition. 
Right? On one hand, there are some people who have too little, and we call them lazy or apathetic. Uh, and on the other extreme, there are people who have too much, and we call them uh, greedy or, or tryhards or workaholics, right? I don't want to see any nudging of elbows in here. Okay, that's not the point of this. But proper ambition is the golden mean, and it exhibits a good balance in life, and it leads to success. And this idea, uh, this, this golden mean idea can be applied to many areas, uh, and actually almost every area of your own life. Think about confidence, uh, for example. If you have too much confidence, or if you have too little confidence, you can become timid and, and insecure. Uh, but if you have too much, well, your head's not going to fit through the door on the way out, right? You become arrogant. You become self-inflated. The Bible actually warns us against both. Paul, uh, starting with Paul in, in, uh, in his letter to Timothy, he says that God has not given us a spirit of timidity. But Solomon warns us in Proverbs, he, uh, last week we read this scripture, that pride goes before the destruction. This golden mean is, is a tough line to walk. It can be a tough line to find sometimes. Peter, he was definitely one of those guys with too much ambition though, right? Uh, he was overconfident. He was overzealous in many things. And as I said earlier, though, perhaps we could use a few more people like Peter. It's been said that it's easier to restrain a fanatic than to resurrect a corpse. And I'd rather have someone that cares too much than someone who doesn't care at all. Peter, he had a positive spirit. He believed in, in protecting Jesus at all costs, and he was willing to go to any links necessary to spread the gospel. And despite his flaws, Jesus saw his positive spirit and his potential, and he believed in him. So his positive spirit. I think the next thing that, that I want us to notice is his con, uh, courageous spirit. In Matthew uh, chapter 26, verse 36, we see that Jesus takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a privately owned garden where, where Jesus went to pray, and uh, he took his disciples to one spot and, and sat them there uh, to pray, and then he took Peter, James, and John a little further to another place, and then Jesus went off by himself uh, to pray on his own. And it was, very, it was very late at night. In fact, it was probably early morning by this time, uh, and uh, while Jesus was praying, his disciples nodded off and fell asleep. While they slept, though, Judas, in comes Judas. He slipped up right behind them with the band of soldiers and the religious leaders uh, that, that were accompanying them, and uh, he gave them, uh, they gave them the orders to arrest Jesus. Uh, and once Judas identified Jesus with the kiss, Matthew says this, they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew a sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now John's account of these events tell us that, that Peter was the one who drew the sword here. But before we, we flash forward and rebuke Peter for being too impulsive or, or too violent here, let's put ourselves in his sandals for a moment. 
Just a few hours before this, Jesus had, had given his disciples some advice that, that, you, uh, that maybe you've glossed over uh, in the past when you've read this before. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus tells them, let one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. The, re- the disciples, they, they respond uh, by saying, look, Lord, here are two swords. And Jesus says, it is enough. Some think that, that Jesus is advising his disciples here to, to have a sword so they can protect their families. Others maybe think that, uh, that Jesus was just using a, a figure of speech like a coach might use to his team, like, uh, let's be ready to battle, right? We're going to go in here, we are going to fight, and we are going to win. But not Peter, not Peter. Peter, he was amped up. Peter was ready to go in and defend his Messiah, and he carried that sword right into the garden with him while they prayed. And when the soldiers came out, he was ready to draw that sword and attack. Yes, Peter. Peter, he, he was overzealous and he was ineffective, but he had told Jesus he was going to do whatever it took. He was willing to die for him, and he was putting his words into action. He's putting his words into action. Maybe that's another lesson that we can draw from Peter this morning. It's easy, for, for, um, it's easy for us to say things like, well, I'll, I'll die for you. I will do anything for you. But when the situation, if the situation were to ever arise, would we actually do it? You know, we can criticize Peter for his denial, but in this moment, Peter was certainly living up to what he had just promised Jesus uh, moments before. So we've got to admire his courageous spirit. Perhaps, uh, perhaps maybe Peter thought that this was going to be his David and Goliath moment, right? Jesus, Peter, and the other, uh, or J- Jesus, Peter, and the other ten disciples versus all of the Roman army, right? Like, let's go, let's battle it out. No matter the numbers, with the Son of God next to him, they could take them all on. And even if they lost, even if they too were arrested, Peter could not simply sit idly by and watch them take Jesus away. This wasn't right. It wasn't, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that they would be doing this to Jesus when he had done nothing wrong. And certainly there's a time to, to stand down, but there's also a time to stand up and fight. And you want somebody like Peter standing next to you in those moments. Somebody who, who's willing to take a stand for what's right. And somebody who's willing to stick by your side uh, with you even when you're facing members of the Roman guard. And in today's world, we aren't necessarily fighting with physical weapons, uh, you know, because we're not fighting against flesh and blood, right? But we are engaged in a battle of spiritual warfare. May we have the courage, the same courageous spirit that Peter had to stand and fight against those forces, both seen and unseen, to defend our faith and to fight for those around us for whose eternal life is at stake. So a positive attitude and a courageous spirit, these are admirable qualities uh, that can often be overlooked if we flash forward and overlook uh, and, and, and only look at Peter's denial. But even in looking at his denial of Christ, we can, we can pull another admirable quality away. Uh, 
And I, I, don't, I don't want us to miss this. And it's a genuine repentance. Don't miss Peter's genuine repentance. Matthew tells us that when they arrested Jesus and took him to the high priest, all of the disciples, they scattered and ran off uh, in fear. But not Peter. Peter stuck behind. We see in verse 58 that Peter, uh, he followed them at a distance. Even though he shouldn't have, even though he shouldn't have been there, uh, he still wasn't giving up on Jesus. Unfortunately, though, it was his boldness that would ultimately lead to his greatest blunder, which was his threefold denial that he insisted would never happen. But as heartbreaking as Peter's denial was, it's important to point out that this was not uh, this this um, this was spontaneous and, and not deliberate. It was not a premeditated action, uh, and some believe that, that all sin are equal, and, and certainly it is equal in how it separates us from God and, and creates that separation there, uh, and, and you know, it makes us deserving of his wrath, but uh, not all sin is equally consequential, and that, that is what our judicial system is built upon, right? In, in the Old Testament, the punishment for stealing a man's sheep was to pay back the sheep four, four times over. But the penalty for kidnapping somebody was, was death. This was the, the, the law according to God, and it demonstrates that sin carries a, a varying uh, degree of sensitivity with God. Some sins are, are spontaneous, and some sins are premeditated. Some sins are, are the result of our sinful nature, and, and this is why it's impossible for us to be perfect, right? But some, like I said, are premeditated. And, and, and these types of sins are what I believe the New Testament authors were writing about when they were talking about how once you follow Jesus, your old life of sin should be left behind. I believe this is what uh, John was talking about in 1 John chapter 3 when he says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on shining or sinning because he has been born of God. They probably can't keep on shining either. Um, there is a difference, though, between falling into sin and scheduling a sin out, between a burst of anger or committing adultery. In Exodus, Exodus 21, if one man accidentally killed another, he could flee to a city of refuge. But if a man schemed to kill another man deliberately, he was put to death. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And even the night of Jesus' arrest, we see a difference between Paul's denial and the betrayal uh, of Judas. Peter had denied Jesus three times before even realizing what he had done, while Judas, he'd been scheming this out for, for some time, right? Peter's intention, it was never to sin that night. And when Jesus told him that, that would happen, Peter was insistent that it never would. His mistake was, though, thinking that he was stronger than he actually was. In this way, perhaps we can relate to Peter once more. 
Oftentimes, we, we think that we can overcome temptation uh, and sin just with our own willpower and just with our own grit and determination, right? We think that we're strong enough to do it on our own. But I've actually found something out in my own life that in the moments that I think I'm doing good enough and that I've got it all together, that's when I end up faltering. That's when I end up uh, in, on shaky ground, right? That's when I end up at my worst. And it's a reminder that there's a reason Jesus said that we should pray and lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sin, it's got a powerful hold on us. It's got a strong grip on us. And we need a tremendous power of the Holy Spirit to help us combat it. You and I, we're, we're not strong enough for this. We're not cut out for it. We cannot do it on our own. And if you are foolish enough to think that you can, well, I've got news. You can't. You can't. But where we are weak, Jesus is strong. And he will provide us the way of escape that we might be able to endure the temptation that comes our way. Let's go back to the courtyard for, for a moment here in, in Matthew 26. And I want to pick up in verse 69 there. It says this, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out into the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to answer, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder though, why, why didn't Peter leave after that first denial? He should have fled. He should have fled when he had the chance. He should have fled before he was pulled further into his sin. Paul tells us on several occasions to flee from our sin, to run from it. And there are times where we might literally need to flee from our sin. Uh, in order to prevent giving into temptation. And you might find yourself in a, in a tempting situation uh, that you couldn't anticipate, but oftentimes we choose to remain in them when we know we should flee. So don't be afraid to flee. Don't be afraid to run from a situation that you know you shouldn't be in, regardless of whose feelings might be hurt or, or what the consequences are that, that might follow. Peter, though, he didn't run. He stuck around, right? He, he stuck around for those other two denials. He stayed, and it led to those two. And, and right after the third denial, immediately the rooster crows. And I imagine Peter felt this jolt in his gut, this, this gut-wrenching feeling where, you know, you know that feeling where it just seems like everything falls out of you, Right? And he remembers the words of Jesus, that before the rooster crows, Peter would deny him three times. But in this moment, 
I want us to see Peter's genuine repentance. Matthew tells us that, that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. And while bitter weeping is, is a good sign of genuine repentance, I want to point out another important detail in the story that, that was recorded by Luke in chapter 22. Luke here, he tells us that as soon as the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He turned and looked at him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Put yourself in Peter's sandals one last time. Not only that gut-wrenching feeling of hearing the sound of the, the little old rooster over there, but also seeing that moment of Jesus, the Savior, your Messiah, the one you said you wouldn't deny, he's looking at you. He's making eye contact with you now. I would have wept bitterly too, as I imagine most of you would as well. I mean, imagine the shame and the guilt that Peter must have felt in that moment. But there's something important about this look that Jesus gave him. There's something important about it. And the look, or the word that Luke uses for look in this passage is the same word that John uses in John chapter 1, verse 42, when Jesus says, or when Jesus first called Peter. It's the same word that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount when he says to look at the lilies of the field and consider how much God cares for them. This word, uh, this word that they used was uh, a word that implied a caring or a knowing look. It was a look of, of understanding, a look of care, a look of forgiveness. Peter had messed up. He messed up by his own volition. He messed up uh, on his own free will. But the look Jesus gave him, that's what prompted him to genuine repentance. So I think there's three signs of those who are, are truly repentant. And I think those three, those, those three signs are there's a conviction which results in saying, I was wrong. There's contrition which results in saying, I'm sorry. And there's change which results in saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to follow Christ. And Peter, he showed all three of these signs of genuine repentance, right? He never repeated that sin again. He never denied him once uh, anymore. In fact, he stood up later with his positive attitude and his courageous spirit, and he preached the gospel to thousands. We read that in, in our focus verse. And he kept on preaching the gospel to the point to where he was killed for it. He was put to death because he would not deny Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter, chapter 7, verse, verse 7, sorry, goodness, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I'll get it right eventually. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I'll read that one more time. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. In the times that we fall short, in the times that we sin, in the times that we do not measure up, may we show the signs of genuine repentance and not just worldly grief. 
When, when the people on the day of Pentecost, they heard Peter's sermon, they were convicted of their sin and they came to belief in Jesus as their Messiah and as their Savior. So they asked this. They said, what shall we do? And Peter responded by saying this, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. For those of us who are, are caught in sin, whether it's spontaneous or premeditated, it's time to repent. It's time to repent and turn back to Jesus. It's time for genuine repentance. It's time to turn your back on the sin that so easily entangles us And it's time to leave it behind forever so that we can be free to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it, just like Peter did. It's time to come home to the open arms of the Father. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you with that same look of understanding and that same look of care that he gave to Peter that day. Are you ready? Are you you ready? Are you willing to repent and come back to him this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your life, your, your, Jesus' life. We thank you for his love. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for the look that you give us that says, I care about you. I know you and I care about you. You are mine, and I want you. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for your son's sacrifice on the cross that even uh, that makes repentance available in the first place. Without his death, we wouldn't have it. Without his resurrection back to life, we, we would not have it. We would not have a Savior. We would not have uh, the... Your, your son Jesus as our Savior. But I thank you so much that your words affirmed Jesus' teachings and they affirmed his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Father, I pray that we can learn from Peter in, this, in these instances, that we, can, uh, that we can have positive attitudes to, to, uh, to go out and continue to 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 remind ourselves that you are what we're after. Father, I pray that we can learn from his courageous spirit that that no matter what, no matter what comes our way, we will stand firm in you. Father, I thank you for his act of genuine repentance. And I pray that we we can take action like he did. Father, forgive us when we fail you. We, we do so often. We are so messed up. We are so broken. We are, are falling apart without you. But I thank you that your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness is the glue that holds us together. So Father, I thank you for that this morning. I, I pray that whatever was said today, I, I pray that it, it seeps into somebody's heart and that there's, there's true true action, true change in whatever those situations are. So Father, I pray that you uh, just be with us as we finish out our service here. Uh, 
and, and guide us in all that we say and do. I ask these things in your name. Amen. We're going to enter into a time of, of response, uh, and uh, that might look different for, for each one of you. Uh, this, this time might be, um, for you, it might be to place roots here at Gateway, to say, hey, I want to I join this church. I want to partner with everything that you're doing, with taking the, the gospel to those who don't know it, uh, with, with uh, just spreading the love of Jesus in our community. Maybe that's it. Maybe you, maybe you, uh, you need some prayer. Uh, maybe there's some things going on in your life right now that you just need to hand over to God. You need to give him the control and say, it's all yours. Maybe you need to make a first-time decision. Maybe that's it. And if it is, I'd love to, to, to do that with you, to, to walk you through that this morning. Uh, whatever it is, maybe, maybe it is repentance. Maybe you're, maybe you're just tired. You're tired of repeating the same things over and over and over that separate you from God and you're ready to make a change. Maybe it's baptism, whatever it is. I'm going to be up here to your left. Um, but if, if you will, uh, stand and sing with us this final song. And like I said, I'll be up here if you need anything.